shout of praise in this place. He is a good God. I can just invite you to stay on your seat, uh, stay on your feet, not on your seats. You can stand on your seats if you like. Um, but I'm going to um, be able to welcome up our guest speaker here this morning, a friend of True North Church, a part of the city here in Perth, um, Daniel Injadaya. He um, leads the church at the Rocks south of the river, a long drive up here to Meroa, all the way up here. Can we please welcome him as he brings the word? You may take your seat. You know this is a good, godly, biblical church from the coffee that you make, so I'm, I'm happy. Hey, uh, good morning, everybody, beautiful people. So good to be here. Welcome, wherever you're joining us from, whether online or from Malalu, we love you. And we just, uh, I just love that I can be here this morning. Your senior pastor, Dean, must have loved you guys so much because for guest speaker today, he thought he was going to have the best speaker in Perth to come and speak to you. Unfortunately, that guy couldn't come. <laughs> so he thought, if I can't get the best speaker in Perth to come and speak at True North, I'm just going to get the funniest speaker to come and speak. That guy couldn't come either. So, so he said, if I can't get the best speaker in Perth to come or the funniest speaker to come, I know I'm going to get the most handsome speaker to come and speak. He couldn't come either. So finally he said, oh, he called me and said, Daniel, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. You got to come. You got to come and speak at True North. And I didn't have the heart to turn him down four times in a row. So that's why I'm here this morning. <laughs> now, seriously, if I were not pastoring my own church and I live somewhere in this area, this is going to be my home church for sure. I love True North. I love your pastor, Dean. I call him Dean Gretzinger Burger because he's hot and spicy, especially with his man bun. Uh, no, <laughs> Dean and I, we've been good friends for years now, and also Michelle, and I just love what you guys are doing here, and just uh, love the fact that we can support one another and pray for one another and just cheer each other on, amen? Uh, today's passage will be taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and we're going to be reading from verses 7 to 11. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and this is what Jesus taught his people about prayer. Let me read it for us. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those 
who ask Him. I'm calling today's message, Prayer, What's the Point? And we're going to be honest today because we are at church. Amen? We're not at a club, although it sounded like we were at a club, which is fantastic. I loved it. Uh, but today, I'm just going to voice out, voice out what many of you have been thinking and questioning. Prayer, what is the point? After my wife and I got married, we were praying for a baby immediately. We wanted to have a baby. We knew God uh, wanted to give us a baby. We were confident of it. So we prayed year one, no baby. Year two, no baby. Maybe we thought, oh, we know. God wants to teach us patience. Year three, nothing. Year four, year five, year six, year seven, year eight, year nine, year ten. Maybe there have been some of your experiences. You asked for a revival, a breakthrough, a healing. For years, been following Jesus. Nothing happened. What cares, right? For every Christian who's healed from cancer, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of other Christians who love Jesus just the same, who praise, you know, just as fervently. And they got no healing. They got no breakthrough. They got no revival. So what's going on? It, it, it makes you so mad and upset at God, maybe, at times. Makes you pull out your hair until your hairline becomes like mine. And then you wonder, like, what is going on? Why is it that some prayers are not answered? You know, as I look through the scriptures, there are actually many reasons why our prayers are not answered. I'm just going to list you five. There are more than five reasons I know. Some are more obvious than others. For example, thoughtless prayers. Like a little boy who prayed after his geography test. Jesus, please make Tokyo the capital of France. Please. That kind of prayer is not going to be answered, right? You know, you ask for good health and you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. That's not going to be answered. You speed along the freeway and the, the speeding camera flash on you and you say, oh, please God, no ticket, please. That kind of prayers usually are not answered. When you pray with wrong motives, they're not going to get answered. How many of you know a very famous Janis Joplin song from the 70s? called Mercedes-Benz. How many of you know that song? Raise your hand. Showing your age. Yes. For those of you who don't know this song, the song goes like this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make a man. Something like that. I can't sing. But when you pray, ask yourself, what is my motive in praying this prayer? Right? James, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James 4, verse 3, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. There are other reasons why our prayers are not answered. Lack of faith, I don't like this one. The health and wealth preachers, the faith preachers usually use this as an excuse for unanswered prayer. Uh, injustice, how about that? Isaiah 1, 15 says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you Offer many prayers. I will not listen. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. Clean, uh, wash, and make yourselves clean. Stop doing wrong. Uh, similar to uh, lack of concern for the poor. Proverbs uh, 21 verse 13 
says, you know, if you shut your ears to the cry of the poor, you too will cry out and not be answered. See, there are many reasons why our prayers are not answered. Uh, but if you want to be honest, if you, if you want to admit it, actually at the end of the day, we have to admit that it is actually a mystery, isn't it? Why our prayers are not answered. It is a mystery. Because as you look through the scriptures, people around you, a lot of their prayers, they're not thoughtless. Think about it. They're not asked with wrong motives, right? Uh, there's faith in those prayers, like Job, for example, like Paul, for example, who asked God to remove the thorn from his flesh, like Jesus even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know? Their prayers are not answered. So what is going on? And again, if we want to be honest since we are at church, I suspect we are actually okay for prayer to remain a mystery, for prayer to remain like, okay, we don't know what's going on. You know, we have to admit we're, we're not God. God is God. We're not God. So we're okay with the mystery a little bit. The only problem is it seems when we read the gospel, especially the passage that we just read, it seems to me like Jesus is making this sweeping promise, right, this unconditional guarantee that when you pray, you're going to get it. Let's read the passage again. Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So, you know, when you read this, it seems like Jesus is making an unconditional guarantee, right? By the way, I believe the word ask, seek, and knock, they all mean the same thing. In Hebrew poetry, this is very common. It's called synonymous par parallelism, where you uh, say the same idea in a slightly different way. For example, in Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim His handiwork. They mean the same thing, right? The second line to the first line. I know some commentators will say, Oh, ask, seek, and knock. They have different intensity. You know, seek is more intense. Uh, knock is even more intense. No. It means the same thing. What Jesus is saying, you know, just use common sense. When you read the Bible, just use your common sense, right? Because the Bible is given to be understood. What Jesus is saying essentially is, ask! Ask and you're going to get it. So six times between verse 7 and 8, six times Jesus says, ask and you will receive. The question is, why is it when we ask, we don't receive. When we seek, we don't find. When we knock, not only is the door not open, it seems like the door is shut right in our face. Right? What's going on? Well, I think the clue to the answer to our question is found in the next few verses, in verses 9 to 11. So I want you to play the role of a Bible detective and see if you can find the answer in the next few verses. In verse 9, Jesus says this, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Did you get it yet? 
why some of your prayers are not answered, from Jesus' explanation, we can deduce that there are at least three different types of father. Okay? I'm going to spell it out for you since it's too early in the morning to make you think. Number one is the father who gives only bad things. Okay? The father who only gives bad things. So if the son asks for bread, he's going to get a stone. If the son asks for fish, he's going to get a snake. Because this is the father who gives only bad things. Right? It's possible. Improbable, but it's possible. The second type of father is the father who gives everything. The father who gives everything. So if the son asks for bread, he's going to get bread. If he asks for fish, he's going to get a fish. And if the son asks for a stone, he's going to get a stone. If he asks for a snake, he's going to get a snake because this is a permissive father, the father who gives everything. And the third type of father is the father who only give, gives good things. So if the son asks for bread, he's going to get a bread. If the son asks for a fish, he's going to get a fish. But, but, if the son asks for a snake, he's not going to get a snake. Because this is a good father. If he asks for a, a, a stone, he's not going to get a stone. All right? Now, let's play a game a little bit. I want to ask you, which of these three father, fathers do you think is the best father? How many of you think father number one is the best father? The father who gives only bad things. How many of you think father number two is the best father? How many of you think father number three is the best father? Raise your hand. Okay, just for the camera, every hand goes up, father number three. I disagree. Okay. I think the answer is, it depends. It depends on what? It depends on whom you ask, right? I guarantee you, if we get the children from the kids' ministry to come up here, and we ask them the exact same question, hey, kids, there are three different types of father. The father who gives only bad things, the father who gives everything, and the father who only gives good things. Who do you think, kids, is the best father? They will all say father number two. <laughs> oh, my dad is so cool. I asked him if I can cut school. He said, yes. <laughs> I asked him if I can drink Coke in the morning. He said, yes. And all the other kids said, man, your dad is cool. Not my dad, right? <laughs> So, um, the answer is, it depends, because we see things differently, don't we, as adults, as parents. We have different perspectives, if you like. And if you think about it, this is the reason why some of our prayers are not answered, because we do have, from time to time, different perspectives from our Heavenly Father. For example, these are the different perspectives that we may possibly have. Uh, need versus want. If I ask your 10-year-old what he needs, he will tell me, uh, I need a PS5, a brand new pair of Jordans, a new iPhone, and a year's supply of KFC. <laughs> but if I ask you, as his parent, what do you think your son needs? You'll say he needs uh, 8 to 10 hours of sleep a night. He needs to eat his veggies. And he needs lots of love from his parents. That's it. Right? So we have different perspectives. Sometimes what we think we need, 
you know, the father has a different um, answer to that. The father has a different, okay, no, you don't really need that. This is what you really need. So need versus want. How about now versus later? Do you like things now or later? <laughs> we all like things now, right? When I look at this, I remember all the conversation I had with my dad, you know. My dad always asked me this question. Hey, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I thought to myself, I don't even care what happens 30 minutes from now, let alone 30 years from now. Now is what's most important to me. Same thing with short-term versus long-term. We don't like anything long-term. Short-term pain versus long-term gain, right? Again, my dad always said to me, son, you got to work hard now because hard work pays over time. And then I thought, yeah, but laziness pays off now. Why, why do I want to work hard? Now is most important to me. Same thing with time versus opportunity. You know, in the Greek, there are two different words for time, kairos and chronos. You know, we just look at the chronos time, the, you know, minute, hour time. But God looks at opportunity. Uh, again, my dad always said, son, while you still have the opportunity, you got to study now. you got to study hard. Don't let playing intervene with your study. And I thought, no, 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 studying should not intervene with my playing because I'm only a child once, right? This is my opportunity to play. See, we do have different perspectives when it comes to how we see things in this world. That's why I believe some of our prayers are not answered. I came across this uh, forced perspective photography by this guy who <laughs> just using his iPhone, uh, this is just one of the examples. Uh, he had some hilarious shots of superheroes helping him doing house chores. Um, it's all a matter of how you see things, right? How you see things, your perspective can skew your point of view. Uh, like another example, uh, is this a six or is this a nine or six, nine? It depends on how you see things. There's a guy... It's a saying that goes something like this. If you change the way you see the world, the world you see will change. If we can have the next slide. Um, it all depends on how you see things, right? Maybe, maybe God sees the bigger picture more than you see the bigger picture of what is really needed in this world. There's a trick that I want to teach you how you learn, how, how you can learn to see things from your father's perspective. Ask yourself this, or say this, God, help me see. God, help me see. Help me see you the way you really are. God, help me see the way you really see me. God, help me see the people in my life the way you see them. God, help me see my situation the way you see them. Pray from a father's perspective. You know, is it possible that God has a bigger picture in mind because he's running this world and he wants the whole world to come back to him, to reconcile the world to himself? Um, there's a saying that goes something like this. If you change the way you see the world, the world you see will change, right? 
this Anon guy says a lot of wise stuff. Um, one last verse for the day to help you see things from the right perspective. Listen to the words of Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Again, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, it's not just how things happen in your life, but how you see things happen in your life that makes a whole world of difference on your attitude, on your perspective, on everything. So I want you to learn. I think God through Jesus wants us to learn to see things from our Father's perspective, to see things from the kingdom perspective. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us, right? Because God, if you wonder if God cares about you at all, you know, maybe some of your prayers have not been answered for years, and you wonder, you're about to give up on God, and you wonder if God cares about you at all. The answer is very simple. Just look to the cross. Look to 2,000 years ago and ask yourself, does God really care about me? When you see the cross, you cannot help but admit that, wow, God cares so much about me. Sometimes you can't even have enough words to say anymore. Like I saw this image. Um, that's all you can do. And God understands the cry of your heart, right? It is God's desire to fulfill the desire of our hearts. So for my wife and I, we were praying for 10 years. We went to see a doctor, fertility doctor, to see if you know, anything can be done. Uh, we didn't mind doing IVF or whatever. And the doctors told us, you know that you, yeah, you are hopeless when the fertility clinic doctor told you there's no hope for you, not even through IVF. You might as well look to adoption. So my wife was very devastated, you know. I was actually okay not to have a baby. I just felt bad that this good look had to stop right here, you know. <laughs> had to perpetuate, right? Um, and sometimes what makes it difficult is some of the church people could be insensitive at times. Whenever someone in church had a baby, they would come to my wife and I and ask, when is your turn? When is your turn? I was at a funeral one time and asked some of those people, when is your turn? <laughs> I know I'm pretty mean, right? Oh, so bad. Oh, pretty mean. <laughs> Uh, and I'm a pastor. Oh, goodness. Um, but at the end, uh, we understood that uh, children are a gift from God. That's what the Bible says, yeah? That means it's not up to us. It's up to the giver. It's not guaranteed when you're married, you have to have children. Who says that you have to have children? Children are a gift from God. We realize that, and we've been focusing so much on the wrong stuff, so we, we eventually, my wife and I, we came to God, and we prayed the prayer of Daniel's three friends. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, you know, they were brought before the king, Nebuchadnezzar. They were supposed to worship the king, and if they refused, they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember that story? And they refused, and this is what they said to the king. We will not bow down to you, O king. We believe our God can rescue us. But here's the part that was so fantastic to me. Even if he does it, we're still going to worship him. We're not going to worship you. So that's what we said to God. God, we believe nothing is impossible for you. Luke 137. We believe nothing is impossible for you. But if you think as our good heavenly father that it is good for us not to have children, we're okay with it. We're okay with it. Um, not long after we prayed that prayer, my wife became pregnant. And my son was born on January 16, 2006. He's 16 years old now. Uh, he's six foot tall. He's very handsome like his dad. Out of <laughs> uh, I'm not saying, by the way, that, you know, when you understand things from God's perspective, that God is going to overturn everything and your prayers are going to be answered. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God's grace is different from person to person, right? God's grace is different. You just have to trust God that He's your good heavenly Father who knows what's best for you, who knows what's best for me. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning acknowledging that we're not you, we're not God. We don't understand everything. We don't always follow or understand your perspective. But God, this morning we are reminded that you are a good God, that you are a good heavenly Father who cares so much about us. You care so much about us. You even ask us to pray for our daily bread. That's how much you care. So Father, this morning I just want to pray for those who've been asking and praying for a long time. God, I pray that you, you make it clear to them that you're still there, that you still listen, that you know what's going on in their lives. You see all the tears. You see all the heartbreaks. And you care. And you care. I pray that our hearts will know really well that you love us more than anything in the whole world. And you desire nothing but the best for us. But we do admit that we live in a fallen world where things are not fair, where things are not the way it's supposed to be. And that's why we thank you for Jesus who reversed the way this world is going. And all creation is groaning right now until that final day of redemption where you yourself will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. No more sorrow. No more wheelchair. No more cancer. No more pain. And we're going to spend eternity with you forever in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in this atmosphere of worship uh, and sing song of, songs of faith to God. <laughs> 